Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Tuesday, April 23rd. Oh, happy birthday to my lovely wife, A.K. and Catherine. I'm Will Brinson. A.K. Brinson is my wife. Uh, this is the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL show. I'm glad that recording this the day before my wife's birthday reminded me that to Today is, in fact, my wife's birthday because that meant this afternoon I could go out and get her something for her birthday uh, rather than show up with nothing. She wants a massage, not from me, Sean Wagner, not from you, Ryan Wilson. She wants a massage. That was weird. From she John wants, Breach. She wants to, yeah, she wants a <laughs> massage. From, no, she wants to go. She wants to get out of the house on Sunday when I get back from the draft and go get a massage. Bing, bang, boom, done deal. No problem at all. Um Maybe get some flowers, too. We'll see how it goes. It'll probably go poorly, but that's fine. Uh, no, no respect yourself there. You sound like you really got big plans for this thing. Yeah, it I seems do. like you've put a lot of, like, months of planning and, you know, just like you do with every podcast, just mapping out all, your every single move. So, so I think that... it should go smoothly. <laughs> uh, Sean, we're... what do you think uh, takes up Brenton's days that he can't plan for anything? He's tweeting a lot lately. Like, he's doing a lot of NBA tweets, too. Like, a lot of just crowd shots and – the thing with Brinson is he's fine with tweeting about anything so long as people are responding and getting That's worked up. So that just feeds, you know what I mean? Like he, he feeds off of that. What the hell are you talking about? That Utah Jazz thing was crazy, man. Those Jazz fans were getting mad at me. That was that was some wild stuff. And people don't understand that, like, if they don't like it, they should just not reply to you because if they start replying to you, that makes you double down on it. Yeah, so I tweeted out that everyone in the Jazz Utah Jazz crowd, by the way, if there were 10,000 people – that were shown on TV, 9,999 of them were whiter than a ghost. Um, and I said oh, that every, Utah. huh? It's called Utah. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not, I'm not, it's not an insult. They're just all white people. But I said that, uh, that the Utah Jazz crowd all looks like people who wish they were wearing V-neck sweaters. And people, they got mad. They're like, oh, why you, who do you think you are? You look like you wish you were wearing a V-neck sweater. I was like, yeah, that's True. the point. Of course that's I do. I'm allowed to say it. I've got ten, yeah, like I'm not going to be talking about somebody else. I can make fun of idiot white people sitting in the stands wishing they were wearing V-necks because I'm sitting here wearing a V-neck. Clowns. Um, I'm just here so I don't get fired. That's Will Brinson's tweeting strategy. That's right. Uh, tweet through it until I do get fired. Anyway, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Will Brinson. You can follow Sean on Twitter at Sean J. Wagner. Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson CBS. What a great handle that is. You can follow the Pick 6 Podcast on Twitter. They're lighting it up constantly at Pick 6 Pod. They do a great job on Instagram, too. It's the funniest content, funniest football content on social media. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, we're headed to Nashville, baby. The podcast is going live to Nashville, the Pick 6 Podcast listeners. Uh, do we decide what the name was for Pick 6 Podcast people? Uh, Pick 6 Posse? <laughs> I don't I, I haven't been involved in those conversations. Posse Above six. my pay grade. Um, at any rate, this is decided at some point on Twitter in the last year, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head right now. But incredible job by everybody who listened to this podcast to go check out HQ. When we did that live mock draft special, the numbers were through the roof, as I mentioned on Monday. So hit me, help me out one more time in this offseason. We're going to be in Music City for three days, extensive draft coverage, even a few surprises. We'll have a fresh Pick 6 podcast every single morning. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. No stopping. We'll be knocking them out. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also be on CBS Sports HQ, our free 24-hour streaming sports network. We're going to have um, 
a bunch of setup at the draft. Ryan Wilson and Pete Prisco are going to be in the draft itself, providing analysis as the picks go down. Um, I believe Brady Quinn, Jason Lockenfora, and um, Mike Smith, baby. Mike Smith. Former Falcons coach. Ex-Falcons coach. He was actually great at this stuff. And Chris Hassel are going to be in Stanford, Connecticut, hosting our big production show. And then myself, Jamie Eisenberg, Bryant McFadden, um, Danny Cannell. Uh, Brady Quinn's going to be up there with him, too. Uh, we we will be in a bar. And in a, what's that? And Barton. And Barton. And Barton Simmons will be with us. And John Breach. Uh, we will be in a bar called the Dog House Saloon. D-A-W-G. If you go to D-A-W-G-HouseSaloon.com. You can figure out where it is. It's in the West End uh, on Broadway. Come hang out with us. Come drink beers with us if you were in Nashville. I've gotten some notes from people who are listeners who say they're going to stop by. Come and hang out with us. We'll be there all freaking week. We're going to have a band. Um, we're going to do a podcast, an hour show leading into the draft each day. And then we're going to be doing live analysis the entire time throughout it with that band there. It's going to be a blast. If you can't make it, fire up your Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV app on your phone, CBS Sports app on your phone. Watch the show. Help us out one more time. It's free. It's awesome. It's going to be a good time. So check that out. Um, we're going to do some draft surprises now, possible draft surprises. Ryan did a whole article, a mock draft of potential draft surprises. And then we're going to do a Game of Thrones recap. This will be the last non-football thing um, for the rest of the week because we're going to go – Neck deep into draft coverage. But for now, humor the Game of Thrones things. It's a really good episode. We'll get to that after the break. First, let's talk some draft surprises. Um, where would you guys, I know that, uh, like Daniel Jeremiah made some noise, uh, talking about Kyler Murray and his percentage, how it went from like 99 down to 65, but then maybe back up to 85 when Murray canceled his visit with the Redskins. Ryan, what percentage would you say, where do you sit on, on if you think the Cardinals will take Kyler Murray or not number one right now? Well, I was talking to Pete last week in Fort Lauderdale when I was down there for the draft show, and Pete said – I asked him for a percentage. He said, I'm 90% sure they're, they're not, not taking, taking Kyler Murray. Yeah. They are not. N-O-T. I'm 65% sure they are going to take him. I just – I believe Pete, but there's just so much going on. I don't know – I can't. I don't believe everybody. So I, I just – instead of trying to waver and, and just guess at what's going to happen because that's all it would be. I'm sticking with what I've, what I, you know, we heard since the combine, the the mock draft. Every one I do every week always has Kyler going first. I, I don't think he doesn't go first. There are plenty of reasons why he should not go first. I just feel like he does. Sixty five percent chance. Sean, what percent chance are you at that the Cardinals go Kyler Murray number one overall? I think I'm a little bit lower. I think at fifty. I think they want to take him, but I think it's a situation where. It really depends on the offer they get for Josh Rosen because I don't think they're willing to throw away Josh Rosen for that third round pick because I think they might be embarrassed um, with how that draft pick worked out. And, and don't forget they had to trade up to number ten um, a year ago to uh, get to get him, so they already had to part ways with more draft picks just in that number ten pick. So I think they want in an ideal situation they would take Tyler Murray, but I think so much of this is dependent on who's going to offer them a second round or late first round pick for Josh Rosen. I think I am at. Um... I, I look. I I feel like I'm not unfair when I say that I've been sort of. I've been I've been saying I, my spidey sense has been telling me for a while now that they were going to go in a different direction. I mean, am I am I am I reaching on that? I feel like I've been saying that for a while. Pete Prisco, when Since he he's been saying it. When, when Pete came on and he said it, I was like, well, then I'm I'm all in on this. Um, I had given a month or so ago a bold prediction to. Uh, 
Chargers.com podcast about, they're like, what's your, I was a bold prediction, Quinn Williams goes number one. I told my buddy to bet it at 18 to one. It's down to five to one in some spots now. If you can see it at 19 to one, 18 to one, I would take Quinn Williams. I think there's a chance he goes, a good chance he goes number one overall. I think those odds are pretty good. And I think that you will see them shift dramatically in the next coming few days as more subterfuge boils up. A couple of points here. Um, Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times has been doing this longer than has me blocked. Sam Farmer has you blocked? Can you imagine someone blocking me on Twitter? I don't. Uh, I'm guessing it was just a mistake. Maybe he hit the button by accident. He was trying to block you, like we were in a conversation on Twitter, and he blocked me. I can't believe Sam Sam Farmer's not the type of guy to block somebody. I know it's crazy. That is very and, bizarre. And Ryan's not like as Ryan was saying. He doesn't tweet much besides like links to like his stories, and Unless I have no idea what you said to him. That is. You weird. probably were upset about some Chargers beating the Steelers or something, and you. You need Maybe to, in like a drunken rage, you fired off a tweet at him that you didn't know was Adam or something. You need to get you need to you need to get Prisco to bring Sam Farmer over and and like I, I want to talk to. I need an answer on this. Sam's a great dude. I mean, Do it on the podcast, and he's so low key. Yeah, we can have him on the podcast and surprise him. Hey, Sam, you blocked Ryan Wilson. What do you and think? you know what his next comment would be? Who is Ryan Wilson? Yeah, he'd be like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'd be like, I I'll look if you want. I don't know why he did it. Um, anyway, Sam, other people have tweeted out this link you're talking about so i've seen it go ahead right right. sam does a mock draft every year where he gets a reporter from each team it's actually a great idea to make a a first round pick so um obviously like uh you know matt barrows at the athletic does a 49ers pick um you know you have brian costello of the new york post does a jets pick michael gelkin of the las vegas review journal does a raiders pick rick stroud Tampa bay times does a buccaneers pick and so on and so forth and of course the only guy who they, he would possibly have doing a Cardinals pick, the venerable and excellent Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic, who was a beat guy for that team for a very, very long time. Now a columnist there. Um, he uh, is very well, well tied into the team. Was one of the, I think the first people to really pop up the, the Kyler Murray stuff. He actually had him taking Quentin Williams. And he wrote, the Cardinals like Josh Rosen, and I don't see them taking a quarterback in the first round two years in a row. They need help on the defensive line, and Williams would immediately provide that. General Manager Steve Kime has made some mistakes in the first round by taking guys who weren't that passionate about football, Jonathan Cooper and Robert and Kim Diche, so I can see them taking Williams. I find that fascinating that 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 he would do that when the prevailing logic thus far has been that that it would be Kyler Murray. Um, Peter King also wrote uh, today – um, he, I do think there's a good rationale for trading down or taking another player. Rosie could be 25% better in 2019 with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, coaching him than he was last year as a green rookie. He was handed a new coordinator in mid-season. Um, the Cardinals have done a good job in shutting up since it was reported at the combine seven weeks ago that Kingsbury let it sleep. It was drafting, that drafting Murray was a quote, done deal, but I'm sticking with my gut feeling that it's Kyler Murray. I, I just feel like there is enough, it feels like the momentum is right here. And I know Jason Lockenfor has said on this podcast that it's definitely going to be Kyler Murray. Um, Pete Prisco is pretty tied in with it. Pete Prisco is usually more right than wrong when it comes to Arizona Cardinals. So I'm going to take Pete's word for it. I don't think Pete would be saying that. I don't think Pete's getting smoke screened. So I'm, I'm going to say 35% chance they take Kyler Murray. I asked Pete if he was getting smoke screened what his response would be. And it was a uh, bunch of expletives directed towards the people or or the person or persons who he may have gotten that information from. Did Pete tell you who he got it from? Yeah. Okay, I know who he got it from too. All right. It's. Yeah, I know you just want to get that in there. No, no, no. I'm just curious. I'm curious if Pete was willing to reveal who his source was to you. Well, the fact that you guys know the source and you're not going, you know, 100 percent one way or the other. Well, I mean, that's a good point. 
It's a good point. It's not. It's not Steve Kime. It's not Michael <laughs> yeah, Bidwell. That's what so, I was gonna say. Right. It's I mean, not, like, it's I mean, not Steve Kime. Well, more importantly, it's not Michael Bidwell. I mean, at the end of the day, Steve Kime can get vetoed, right? I mean, like, Michael Bidwell can say, "I know, I know, you're in charge of this team. You're taking Kyler Murray. I don't care. Take Kyler Murray. Figure it out later." Uh, and that could happen. I mean, I, I don't think it will happen. I think um, Peter King also wrote that uh, when Ky- when Car GM Steve Kime walks into a meeting with club president Michael Bidwell today in Tempe to discuss the fate of the first overall pick. In other words. They're sitting down um, on Monday to hash out what they want to do with the top pick, and they'll, they'll figure it out. I, it, the NFL loves this. The NFL doesn't want them to make a trade with Josh Rosen before the draft. The NFL wants this subterfuge and this buzz leading up to, to see what happens when it's actually taken. It was the case last year, even though we knew almost certainly it was going to be Baker Mayfield by the time the draft kicked off. He didn't really believe it until it actually happened. Um, so, you know, it, there's still a, lot, a, a long ways to go. I don't think they've decided for sure. What I think – um, yeah, I don't think they decided because I think, as I was saying, I think so much of it depends on the offers they get, whether the offer is for Josh Rosen or for the top pick. Yep. If I'm at, so I'm at 50% that they, they, um, take Murray and trade Rosen. The percentage that I think the Raiders are going to trade up to one is kind of increasing though. Mm-hmm. And I think if you combine last week's report about the Raiders setting their scouts home, which I don't think it's that big of a deal. The scouts are going to be replaced after the draft because they're guys that Mike Mayock inherited. I like that uh, little. So, I like that little tweet storm you went on. It was very logical and uh, sound reasoning. Yeah, well, I, I I even wrote a story. Um, I do more than just Twitter, Brinson. Um, and so I, I just do, think I don't. look them huh. them not letting the scouts into the building makes complete sense because the scouts are gonna they're gonna be gone after the draft. Why would you trust those scouts to not leak the draft plans um, when the scouts know that they're getting fired? But it, so when you try to think though, like what is a secret the Raiders could be, you know, not wanting the media to get a hands on? They might be trying to trade up to number one, and the reason why they're so paranoid about this is because they don't want Derek Carr to find out in the event that they can't trade up to number one. That's a great because point. look, I don't think Derek Carr is the kind of quarterback who's going to brush it aside that they were trying to replace him in the draft. And so I think that I, so increasingly to me, and look, everything the Raiders have done since Gruden is there, they've done so many splashy things. To me, it just doesn't sit right that they're just going to sit at four, uh, 24 and 27 and make those three picks. I kind of feel like they have all this ammunition. Gruden wants to get his guy. They sent their scouts home to preserve the secret. They've got a team that if they want Josh Rosen, I think they should trade back because they can get one of the three top, um, defensive lineman type of players at four. Well, so I think and, the Raiders could but, trade up. But to, to sort of build onto that, if you're the Cardinals and you, have figured out, and it's possible that they figured this out. I don't think it's going to be hard to figure out that the Raiders love Kyler Murray. And you've also realized that the Raiders are not going to just trade up to get, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the Raiders aren't just going to trade with the Cardinals to, to make it work. If the only way to get the Raiders to trade up is to leak that you don't want Kyler Murray and then to have the Jets simultaneously not even leaking, just like, 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 Put the vibe out. Like, they're leaned up against the bar, shaking the butt. Like, hey, we want a second-round pick. Come and get it. I mean, like, if anybody wants Kyler Murray, they can go get it. They can go get him from the – they can go get the number three pick from the Jets for a pretty cheap cost, move down, and you can leapfrog the Raiders, which is why if you're the Cardinals, you leak out that you don't want Kyler Murray, which allows the Raiders to panic and then move up to number one, as Sean pointed out. Do you like that theory, Ryan? I just think we're overthinking it. How? Like, I understand what you're saying, but we're at the point in the proceedings now where it's 48 hours or less until we find out what happens. I think, 
I don't know what I think, <laughs> but I, I don't want to think about it too much. And I, I think Prisco is probably onto something. I don't think they've made a final decision in Arizona. No. I mean, for Prisco to say one thing and Peter King, who's pretty tight in, to say something else, and Jason Lockafor is pretty tight in to say something else, I don't think we know. And I think depending on who you talk to, you're going to hear a version of a story that may not agree with what other people are hearing. I, so I, at 65%, I'll stay there unless something happens. I would not take Kyler Murray first overall for the reasons we've been talking about. you got Josh Rosen and your terrible football team build around him. He ran parts of the air raid at UCLA. He ran it in high school. He can do it. He's an athletic quarterback. But if Cliff Kingsbury or Steve Kime or Michael Bidwell or whomever don't want him, I suppose they'll go in another direction. The thing is, when you do that, you got the clock starts on on your eight month contract, and chances are you're not going to make it to the end of that. Um, but look again, if you're the Cardinals and you can trade one, even if you just get a third round pick from the Raiders, and you go from one to four, and I mean that would, I don't think they would do that, right? Like they would almost certainly want a second round pick to move down out of number one to number four. Even if you get a third round pick, you're still walking out of there with one of the top defensive players that you feel comfortable with, whether it's Ed Oliver, uh, Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, or Quentin Williams, because the Raiders have traded up. You just or just take Quentin Williams and number one and get on with your life. No, I'd rather. I'd rather. I'd rather trade. I think it's stupid for them just to sit there. If you look, if they don't get the offer, they don't get the offer, and they just. Well, here's the thing. That's fine. I get all that. If you get Nick 37, Bosa, what if you get 37 and four for one? I'd do that in a heartbeat if I'm the Cardinals. No, that's something they have to consider. But here's my thing. Nick Bosa, injuries. You don't know how durable he is. Mm -hmm. And his brother, I mean, it runs the family. Whatever. They, he hasn't been healthy. Josh Allen isn't a one-year productivity guy, but not everyone loves him. Um, who's the, Who would be the next guy? Either Ed Oliver. Josh Allen or Ed Oliver, yeah. Yeah, are you taking Josh? You could take Ed Oliver four, and that makes sense. And he would probably be number two after Quentin Williams in terms of feeling the best about him. Yeah, four and 35 or four and 37, whatever you said there. you got to think long and hard about that, for sure. But um, if you're in love with Quentin Williams, take Quentin Williams, and you don't have to think about it. All right. Uh, that was actually your number one surprise in this article, the 32 surprise picks that could shake up the first round. Uh, Ryan Wilson's music. Number two surprise That's pick. Not walkout music. This is they're in order of the draft, the draft order. So it's not necessarily most in, most the right. craziest. Right. It's like Bill Barnwell's all trade mock. You just do all crazy picks. Oh, okay, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like Barnwell and, does a trade for every pick. You're doing a. You can have repeat customers. People on Twitter don't seem to understand that third paragraph there that says note. And since this isn't a mock draft, players can be used more than once. So I'm getting a bunch of things, but oh, oh my God, you took Quentin Williams twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tweet out that's not a mock draft. So before you tweet at me that I have people going more than once. Wait, wait, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. You have <laughs> you have Josh Allen going five and eight here and Quinny Williams going one and six. I should have had Josh Allen going number nine to the bill, so I could have two Josh Allens. <laughs> I missed that on that one. Uh, you had uh, Devin White as a possible landing spot at number two. That would be shocking. Brady Quinn, we did a segment on HQ on uh, Monday morning. He wasn't crazy about that pick. Probably not. I think that would be a pretty big surprise if the if they took a linebacker at number two. Um, but so let, let me draw your attention to yeah, point me seven. Yeah, sure. So look down to number seven, and that's a situation where Kyler Murray could fall if he doesn't go first. Hey, by the way, just real quickly, you have Ed Oliver going three to the Jets. There's like legitimate buzz about that happening yeah. anyway. Uh, again, Peter King had his mock and he wrote it that. Um, uh, uh, do, 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 something about it being a fit. They like it. Um, and the Jets don't love Josh Allen, according to Peter King. So that's so what, that that's be, what it was. That's what it was. Right. Good call. Yeah. I, I, someone I trust told me the Jets don't love Allen. 
Interesting. So let's say that the Cardinals do not, in fact, take take Kyler Murray as Pete's been talking about. Here's a scenario where he could fall all the way to the Jaguars. Cardinals take Quinn and Williams, and this is uh, uh, let's see, 49ers take Nick Bosa, which makes sense. Jets go with Josh Allen, even though they probably won't. The Raiders take Brian Burns, the edge rusher, who a lot of people really like. Bucks take Devin White, which is where he's been mocked for a while, and the Giants take Ed Oliver at number six, and they've been Dave Gettleman reportedly has interest in him, and they're number seven is Kyler Murray. Now look, they took. Sign Nick Nick Foles. I don't care that you sign Nick Foles. I would still draft a quarterback because Nick Foles, as we've talked about repeatedly, is good for at max four game stretch. The uh, football season is four months long plus playoffs. So, plus if you're looking to put butt, butts in the seats, who's going to do it better than Kyler Murray? So that's a situation where he could fall to seven. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, I don't know that the Jaguars would take him there. I think they'd probably let him pass, but I, I think they would. But they should. I think it's possible Kyler Murray could fall out of the top ten. I don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. If he makes it past the Raiders at four, I think he's going to fall out of the top ten because I don't think the Giants will take him at six. I don't think the Jaguars will take him at seven. I don't think the Lions will take him at eight. Bill's obviously not at nine. I don't think – no way in hell John Elway's taking a short quarterback at ten. Uh, and then the Bengals would have a decision to make. And if the Bengals didn't take him, whoo, man, it would be a little awkward and weird. Why? Wow. Because then he's past 11, and who knows? Is the Packers going to take him? It would be awkward. Oh, my God. The Packers are going to take him, and then they're going to have Aaron Rodgers' successor, and this is just the Bears fans' nightmare that they have their next quarterback. Would you be upset if the Packers got Kyler Murray? Yeah. If, if the top quarterback in the draft who we're talking about has a better than 50% shot of being the number one overall pick, who seems like suited for the modern game, Falls to the Packers, who went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, like in the Packers who were gifted Aaron Rodgers because he fell when he was in consideration to be the top pick. It would just feel way too similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, on the other who hand, knows if he is Aaron Rodgers, but draft, you know what I'm drafting Kyler Murray would expedite the end of Aaron Rodgers' Packers career. Yeah, that I guess that would make me happy. I mean, I take. I, 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 I you're uh, you're uh, getting too far ahead of yourself. If you look down there at number twelve. Ooh, Drew Locke to the Packers in a draft day shock. This would be the biggest surprise of the draft, Wilson writes. Yeah, I did write that. <laughs> we used to about 15 out. years ago, I mean, yeah. Brent Favre was 36 years old, and I don't know if you've guys seen that thing from Andrew Brandt talking about how they ended up with, with um, Aaron Rodgers. He didn't go first overall. Alex Smith did. Then he fell all the way to the bottom of the first round. Packers didn't even want to take him. They were on the phone trying to trade that out of that pick, and they didn't have a choice, so they finally took him there. And Aaron Rodgers is now 35 years old. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think for comedy's sake, it would be hilarious to see how he would react to Drew Locke, who's considered, you know, he's he reminds people a lot of, of Jay Cutler, myself included, and the connection. Um, uh, oh, that never mind. That, not that. I was thinking about something else. But uh, him coming to Green Bay, sort of the chemistry or lack of chemistry between he and Aaron Rodgers, I think there could be some unintentional comedy there. I don't think it would happen. I, I mean, it would something crazy. Like Matt Lafleur would be putting his flag in the ground, saying, "Aaron Rodgers, I'm the boss. You can't tell me what to do. You can't call plays in the huddle." Sort of like a, a sort of a 90210 situation, basically. So it comes down to. By the way, this way, this, this, oh, this that was oh. weird. Why did I hear myself? Um, that was bizarre. Sorry. That I'm probably not going to clean that up. Um, I was listening. I was looking. I'm looking at this, and I can't help but remind myself. And I kind of want to try and knock it out tonight. I, for the last two years, I've been di- I've been really like every time the draft gets close, I want to I want to put out a worst mock draft ever, and um, like like 
you're the Ravens taking Josh Jacobs. Like, what the heck? Like, and I get it. It's not, I mean, it's not that crazy. Like, you could make an argument for it and it would be a big surprise. Ravens fans would revolt right. if they, if they drafted Josh Marky Edwards. Grum. Gus Edwards crushed it in that offense last year and all he does is run in a straight line. Yeah. But if you're going all in on this run first mentality and you're not interested in helping Lamar Jackson grow as a passer, just take the best running back and have him share carries with Mark Ingram. Uh, Ingram's on a three-year deal. He's 29, so who knows how much longer he has left at a high level. But just pound the ball. And also Josh Jacobs and Ingram, too, can both catch the ball coming out of the backfield. So if you don't want Lamar Jackson throwing the ball more than three yards down the field, that could be an option. This is this is the worst mock draft ever. This is unbelievable. It's like I mean, <laughs> that's what it's not a mock draft. I know because he has Drew Lock going at 24 after the Packers already took him. Do they do they know that? And 19 too. Um, what would be crazier? I think it's the Packers is the answer. But how crazy would it be for the Titans to take a quarterback at 19? Not that I mean crazy, but not that crazy. He's, not, in the, he's on his fifth year option, Marcus Mariota. They're paying him twenty point nine million this year. So either they're gonna have to franchise him or give him thirty million dollars next year. He can't stay or, healthy and we don't know how good he can be. Or, or let him walk if he has a terrible year. He could he might just become and then a free Ryan agent. And he'll become the answer. Yep. Yep. I don't think it's crazy think, at all. What the hell is happening here? Um, I, but I, I don't think they would take it this year because I think the way they're looking at it is this is obviously his Mariota's contract year and if it goes well and they make the playoffs then he'll get an extension and all that but if it doesn't go well they don't have to have their next quarterback in place because if Mariota's terrible the Titans are probably going to be bad and they're probably going to have a decent pick in next year's draft and then they can just take the quarterback then so I don't think they have to do but it we say that every year but there's no guarantee that the quarterbacks we love now are going to be top flight quarterbacks no 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 I, that's why I'm saying it would be surprising but like it wouldn't shock me I would look at it and be like oh that makes sense Mariota could be done next year Tannehill's not the long-term answer the fallback plan for every team that, that wants to draft a quarterback next year and can't get him Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that'll be what what they'll do. Ryan well, Fitzpatrick on a two year deal, unfortunately. It's so. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Thank you, Mr. Birthday Cake. Nice, well done. Thank you. Um, all right, let's take let's, anything else. Any anything else from the news? I mean, Amari Cooper uh, said he's cool with an extension. Lane Johnson screaming at Donovan McNabb. Um, man, would just... Sean trade a first round pick for Frank Clark? Oh yeah, Frank Clark. That's right. Thank you. I would not trade a high first round pick. For Frank Clark. Every second that you talk about Frank Clark is one second less of Game of Thrones. That we yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the really short pitch. <laughs> I would not trade. I would not personally trade a first round pick for Frank Clark because you have to give up a first round pick and give him a massive contract extension. That's why I would not do it. That said, I think teams at the end of the first round could do it, and it would be a little bit more understandable. So t- a team like the Chiefs or Colts, um, I think, could make a ton of sense, and the Colts have a lot of cap space. Both of them need edge rushers, so I think those are the teams that could be in the mix. Jets are reportedly interested, but there's no way they should be giving up that high of a draft pick. They would give up a second-round pick for him, I assume. I think think those high second-round picks are viewed as first-round picks. As for the Chiefs, a little dicey trading for Frank Frank Clark after you cut Kareem Hunt and you're dealing with the Tyree Kill thing. It's it's not going to be perceived well. There will be, if that happens, there will be an off-season article about the Chiefs' culture problems. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk Game of Thrones. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, second episode of Game of Thrones aired on Sunday. If you don't like Game of Thrones and you don't want to hear us talk about it, I apologize. The rest of the podcast will be Game of Thrones. Hang up and see you later. Uh, if you don't want spoilers, stop listening as well because we will discuss it. Although, again, I would argue for the second week in a row, Sean, and this is not a complaint, just that there were not a lot of things to spoil um, outside of some humorous lines and a little bit of sexy time for Arya. Yeah, it's, I mean, everyone, I feel like, should have known what this episode was going to be, which was just to build up to the battle. Actually, before, and before we even get to that, too, um, there's a lot of people out there who are not happy with this episode. Uh, what is your reaction to those people when you hear the people are like, hey, nothing happened, nothing happened, they're just hanging out, talking? I mean, I tweeted before the episode that I was really looking forward to this episode being a slow build to the battle in episode three. And then logging onto Twitter and see a bunch of people complain that nothing happened. It's it just, it, to me, like, people watch Game of Thrones for different reasons very clearly. And there's people, I feel like probably the three of us are in this group, who watch it for both the battles and, more importantly, characters just talking to each other and being human and um, being full, fully fleshed out characters, which last season, I would argue, did not happen nearly enough. And the early seasons did happen all the time, and that's why Game of Thrones turned into the massive show it was. But there are some people who just want the dragons and they want the White Walkers and they want people dying. And those people, I don't think those people are wrong. Like, you know, to each their own, whatever you want to get out of the show, that's what you're going to get. But to those people, you're going to get what you want. And it's coming next week in the biggest battle in the history of film and and TV. So if the first two episodes weren't your... It is. It is. the It's the longest, or it's actually the second longest, I think, cinematography. It's the biggest, like more, the most epic. Yeah, yeah, it's regarded as the biggest battle in the history of film and TV. Um, this is coming from a Star Wars nerd. Well, I mean, that's just all CGI for Star Wars. But my point being, you're going to get it. So, you know what I mean? What? Is this Prince real? Is These dragons are real? <laughs> no, but I think there's more people and there's right. more people involved in the making of this. 100% Sean Star thinks Wars the dragons Star. are real. No, I mean, I think look, I, mean, I think here's the and I'm not trying to make a sexual reference here, but I don't really know know how, how else to do it. I mean, like these two, this episode was foreplay, right? Like 
there, I mean, like, that's what this was. This episode was – here's the problem. You can't fire up a season of Game of Thrones. And we bitched a little bit last week about how the first episode was a little slow. And I think I'd got – You – we all did. You yeah, did. That was yeah. you. Yeah, that's fine. I think I think I had been tricked in my mind to expect something – different than what I got. I, I And after that first episode, I was like, all right, cool. They're doing the expositional thing. They've gone back to the roots. I like the episode. I thought the second second episode was even better um, because as my wife, happy birthday, honey, pointed out in the middle of the show, she goes, this is awesome. It's a bottle episode, right? Everybody's in one place. You are maneuvering it. You are, you are creating conflict within certain relationships. Um, you were revealing stuff. Like the, the Daenerys finding out that John was a um, was a Targaryen? That's way bigger than John finding out he was a Targaryen. Like it was a bigger deal because you're involving not just the conflict of one person's realization of who they are and what that how that changes their life and what they've known pr- prior, uh, but also it it cha- you find out how does like his girlfriend, for lack of a better phrase, respond? And her response was unbelievable. She's like. Oh, I guess this means you can take the throne. It wasn't, I'm your aunt, we're having sex. It was, I guess that means you could steal my precious. It was kind of weird. What are your sources? What are my that's sources? She was, no, that, that's Oh, yeah, yeah, Who's like, your, yeah. your source. She's like, that can't be real. Who are your sources? What? That means you could steal my throne. It's like, whoa, like I thought we were in love. And so I think that sets the stage for inherently what is going to be a pretty, not lengthy, but so like there's four episodes left. The The battle presumably is coming in episode three. Right. And it's the entire episode. And it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a 55, 40 to 55 minute battle as I understand it. Live uh, action shot. Now, I don't think they're going to resolve the full extent of the war against the Night King in that one episode. I would anticipate. I think they will. You think they will? Yeah. So I think if I had to guess how the season plays out, um, I was thinking about this last night. I think this entire next episode, they're going to defeat the dead. People will die. Characters we love will die, yeah. but you know, humanity as a whole will, will, will win. And then episode four. By, by the way, if, if humanity doesn't win, very boring last three episodes. That's what I thought. Exactly. Just the, the night, the night King, like sitting here looking around like, huh? We're right. just going to actually follow what White Walkers do as they march south. I, Why I, it takes them so long to get placed. I, tw- I tweeted the other day. I would do. A, I would watch a White Walker spinoff. Like, do they have meetings? Are there strategy sessions? Do they discuss like what they need? like? Ah, like ah, we need do to play. Like, how do they kill time? You know what I mean? Because yeah. like they're off screen so much. Yeah. So That's I, what I'm saying. I think play, that, you know. So I think episode four will be after the battle. It's going to be them slowly turning their attention to okay, we have to deal with the South and Cersei. And then episode five will be the battle between them and Cersei. And then six will be the aftermath of that battle, whoever survives, and could be John and Danny sorting out the power structure or whoever still left the battle. Because Sansa's conversation with Danny was pretty interesting yeah. uh, Sunday night as well, because they were like, oh, we're going to make that be cool. I don't know, and Sean, I don't know if you have any insight. Why wouldn't Danny just say, you can control Winterfell when this is all said and done? Why does she hesitate? So. The, well, I mean, the reason is because Danny is power hungry and a little bit like her father. Mm-hmm. Um, even yeah, she's not going to be up north after this thing is settled. Um, right. She doesn't want to keep giving away kingdoms, and she doesn't want her her kingdom to be smaller than what she feels she deserves. And she deserve she feels that she deserves rule over all of Westeros. Now, she already gave the Greyjoy. Um, she already gave them power over the Iron Islands, but the Iron Islands are a whole lot more useless. Than the North, and in theory, if she gives the North their independence, 
you know, that's a potential enemy that could lead to another war. And, and she's not going to go and probably conquer the North. Like, that's a really hard place to conquer. So I don't think she you know wants you to do? Give up. Build a wall. Well, this was <laughs> between the North and the South. <laughs> this was my problem with that meeting is she went in to a peacemaking session with Sansa, which was a good decision that Jorah probably told her to do. Clearly. And she had no plan to answer the question, what happens with the North? And clearly Sansa, you know, was going to bring that up, what happens after the war. And it looked like she had no answer. So I'm, I'm kind of souring on the whole Danny ruling party because look, Tyrion's been acting like an idiot. Danny ruling party. I like that. And they already, uh, look, they acknowledge it in this episode. Tyrion's been acting like an idiot ever since he became. This is a, this is a Tyrion redemption episode. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know, but like he's been doing poorly. Yes. Um, she, I think it's, I, I just, I think they're trending down. I really think they're trending down here. No, but I, I, well, I think, I think Tyrion was trending up in this episode with Jorah help being like, Hey, look, like he's made mistakes. Yeah. He did, he has at least acknowledged him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, like if you're, I would not be surprised at all now if we had some sort of John kills Daenerys, um, because yeah. she's going crazy situation at the end. Nah, I don't think so. I'm going to predict, and I don't know, and Sean, I hate it when you do your little theory predictions on Twitter because I don't need to know these things. But this one's so out of the left field, it won't happen. It's worse than, worse than me having Drew Locke going three times in my mock draft. <laughs> uh, I'm going to predict that uh, Reek Theon ends up killing Danny for Sansa. Hmm, I get down with that. All right, let me ask you this. What do Look we think? I got Sean's attention. All right, what do we, two things uh, that are going to be about the coming battle because, I mean, like, when – it's a pretty basic literary tenet, right? Foreshadowing. Everybody knows about foreshadowing. When you've got 19 different characters walking around telling you how safe the crypts are, hey, guess what? The crypts aren't safe, and the crypts are probably where someone's going to go to die. Additionally, isn't it just a little too easy? Bran's like, well, Bran, excuse me. Bran is like, the Night King is after me. Don't worry, everybody. He's coming for me. I'll just go hang out by this tree, and he'll come prancing in there, coming to get me. Like, a little too easy in terms of how they think this whole battle is going to play out. I would anticipate, A, that um, that part of it goes poorly for him, and B, that the crypts are not as safe as, as they might be led well, to believe. You know what's in the crypts? Dead a people. A lot of dead Starks. Oh. I think there's a chance. Oh, and by the, by the way, That's, there's a lot of theories that's been written um, Wait, can he about, control? Can he control anyone who's dead, or does he have to touch them? So I mean, so I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, there's been a lot of theories and articles written that you can go find before the season about the importance of the crypts of Winterfell, because a lot of the teasers were focused on the crypts, and it could be more than just dead Starks down there. There could be something more significant down there. Like what? That could play a role. Well, it's known as the Great Other. No one really knows what it is, but it's, it's done a lot of text, a lot of hints to it in the books. Um, I'm curious to, sh- to see how far the show leans into that because I don't want it to feel too far out of left field. Um, but clearly, the Crips are going to play a crucial role in the battle. Whether it just be Dead Starks rising up, maybe the Dead Starks fight for the living, and maybe they fight against the Night King. By the way, um, I have one thing that I was thinking about last night while watching the show, and this is another prediction, not about the show itself, but just about people's reaction to it. And this happened during Breaking Bad, which – did you watch Breaking Bad, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, so Breaking Bad is one of my all-time favorite shows. The greatest show And without fail, like the the last – the penultimate and the two episodes from the end episodes were the absolute best. 
and everyone was whinging and moaning about the last episode being too predictable and terrible. I feel like that's where we're going to, the road we're going to go down because we're going to find out what happens in the next to last episode and the episode prior to that. And we'll have a good idea. And then it'll just be wrapping things up in that final episode and people will be complaining about how it was done, things that they knew, things that they didn't know and why they're upset that this didn't turn out being the way they want it to be. I mean, people are already complaining and like, it's just, it's the price of the success, right? You get so many people who love the show that you're not going to make everyone happy. There are going to be a lot of people upset. That's why you shouldn't be on Twitter during the show. So John oh, yeah. Snow, John Snow could conceivably have to fight a dead version of Ned Stark. Well, no, because Ned. I mean, I guess Ned's bones are down there, but like his body his head is pretty much gone. His I don't think. But you, but he could fight. Liana is the, down there. His, ooh, his mom. He could fight his, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know what sort of, ex- okay, all right. What, what about the bra, God dang it. What about You're the like, brand? Do you ever watch the, like, Talk of Thrones or whatever the ringer show? Chris Ryan called Gilly Jilly live on TV in front of, like, a million people. So, don't worry. You're, whatever. It's not nearly as bad as Sean's that. like, that's, that's a point of contention. No one cares. This Go loser. ahead. Say Brandon. Um, do, uh, Okay, so Brandon Stark, what do you buy into his, what do you, I mean, again, when, in a show like this, when something, I mean, when he's like, it's pretty easy, guys, I'll just go into the far end of the tree, by the tree, uh, Reek can come with me, and we'll just lure the Night King in there, and that's how we land him, that bang, Quick bang, question boom. For you or Sean, yeah. when Jamie confronted Brandon at the tree in this last episode, episode two, how do you get his wheelchair out there in the middle of the snow, like super <laughs> deep snow? I mean, are we going to really talk about this? Like- what? I mean, Look, I know he's uh, a movie this millennial. Is, this is the part that you can't make, you know, the leap of faith to just like believe the show that something could happen. To I'm happy get to believe it, but I noticed it. I By the way, you watching scene, people complain about time wasting. You want a scene where someone's pushing him around? Oh, oh, I would like to point out something too about that circles back to last week too. Um, so, in between episode one and episode two, uh, my son went down to uh, stay with my mother-in-law. My wife and I had some time. We banged out season seven again. And I think it's really, it was really different how my opinion of season eight, episode one changed after I watched season seven again. Um, because I thought that all the stuff that was like, you're reminded when you get in the middle of it, everything that's going on and everybody's spread out and trying to get places, you're reminded that the episode one and two really were this reunion and these emotional moments and they, they felt more important after watching that. I will say too, that part of the reason I don't think this episode, the season seven went over well is that it had multiple, like just weird pacing issues or like when Jamie goes to try and kill Danny and the dragon and he's in like, uh, and Bron tackles him off the horse and they go into the water and then he's like diving down in chainmail armor. He's about to die. And then like the next episode, he pops up in like a tiny little like lagoon. He's like, man, I can barely breathe in there. It's like, what, what, what is happening? I think I, I agree with you. Like, well, there's just like bad plans and a lot of plot armor. Um, given to characters in a show that was supposed to not give people plot armor. But I also think the creators really lost a lot of faith with um, a lot of people like me because it felt like they didn't fully understand all their characters that they've been working with for so many seasons. Like the Arya Sansa tension just didn't feel – it just came out of left field, did not feel like it was that true to their characters. I mean, yes, they didn't like each other as kids, but Arya was straight up like threatening to kill Sansa – um, and like the fact that she couldn't understand that Sansa like was forced to write that letter back in season one, it just didn't really make sense. And I think the first two episodes, why I like them so much, even when they're just people talking is it feels like authentic to their characters. I like 
Arya's um, interaction with the Hound, I thought, was so perfect. So perfect to the point that I knew what he was going to say before he even said it, and I'd never seen the episode before when he talks about, I fought for you once. So I think it seems like they really realized we we were so plot-oriented last season, like trying so hard to come up with these elaborate plots and these incredible moments, and a lot of those moments were incredible, but the process to get to those moments had characters acting in ways that wasn't true to their true character. Mm, I think that's a good point. And, yeah, like you – the the beauty of Game of Thrones in the first six seasons, I always thought, was that you had these characters that, as you point out, Sean, you come to know what they're going to do, but then the unpredictable nature of an of an X factor comes in and changes it everything and wipes somebody out. Like when they – in season one, they chop Ned's head off, and you're like, what? this is the main character. This is insane. And so like they would take those twists that would help to lure the viewer in. Um, what else stood out from, uh, I mean, look, Arya, I'm not, I mean, I'm not even trying to bring it up again, but Arya had sex. That was kind of a, Hey, well, as a, uh, old person with kids, I was like, I don't need to see this girl who started off as a 12 year old taking off her, her unmentionables to lay, as they say, what they say in the Bible to lay with. Yeah, didn't, uh, didn't, injury. yeah, when, uh, Easter Sunday didn't need to be a Arya sexy. Yeah, that's just, was, uh, I, this, that's okay, this is what I would say. I think as like viewers, it can be weird because look, you know, the actress was like 12 when she got the role. Um, so like it can be uncomfortable, but I think if you're only thinking about it in terms of like character, um, and thinking about it as Arya, I think it's totally fitting of her character. And that's I also, fine. I just don't want to see very, her side I, well, for the record, uh, so Maisie Williams did an interview about it. Um, they left everything entirely up to her about like what she showed. Was she wearing was... a skin suit or was it was I, she naked? I have no idea. Okay, um, but they they weren't like you're gonna have to like go topless and do this. Like they left it completely up to her. I just think for Arya, like the whole for the character, it it's such an important moment for her because it's the first time since like season three since she went over to Bravo's that she's been a human being and she's been trained to be this like robotic terminator assassin who doesn't really have that many emotions except to protect and defend her family and take vengeance for them. And this was like the most human normal thing. It's also one of the first times on the show that it seems like a woman has like initiated sex mm. and like, hasn't been used for sex. And like, she was the one Cersei, maybe getting all of it. Yeah. But for Cersei, it's always, unless it's with Jamie, it's always like a power play. It seems um, and this seemed like a very genuine, realistic, you know, sexual interaction with a woman. Also, um, also, there was a very much a plane crashing, uh, sex party feel to this whole episode. It's like, hey, look, we're all in this castle drinking. Everybody's gonna die. Yeah, last night on earth. Like, let's have like, like I couldn't believe. The, first of all, the giant's milk moment was unbelievable. When Torment, when Torment's like, and I laid at the teeth of the. We could talk, talk about that. I'll see, if, I'll see if I can find that audio real quick. Hold on. So, yeah, that was a three-month thing. I will say a couple things from that roundtable that I truly appreciated. Brienne of Tarth getting knighted. I thought that was yes. awesome. And also Pod busting out his, his uh, hip-hop tricks. Podrick the singer. I thought that was really good. Also, Pod fighting earlier and looking pretty confident, and he's been like an Pop awful fighter. Made. Like he was couldn't be bothered to, to, to right. be, uh, have to put up uh, even 50% effort against um, the trainees there. Right. Um, good. No, I was gonna say pod, uh, pod, uh, uh, there's a, the song that he sang, Jenny's song. I was reading something on the ringer about it and, uh, um, by Riley McEntee. 
Yeah, right. Isn't he your friend? Is he your friend in real life? Yeah, we we worked at the Daily Cal. He was my assistant when I was a sports editor. editor I think you have the org chart backwards, Sean, but go ahead. Yeah. um, I mean, it's just the assistant becomes the editor, and then it goes off. So, how do you become a a music lyricist? He he read the books. I mean, it's just. What do you mean? He literally just. The lyrics of the song, is that correct? No, the song is about. about, Two Targaryens. Like yeah, it's like a tale about two Targaryens who couldn't, uh, who couldn't decide on love versus, uh, versus the throne. And as a result, that's how actually the Mad King came into charge, to being in charge. And the goal, the sort of, it's, it apparently is a, a, a little hint at what may come to pass with John and Danny, I believe. So is what does Sean's uh, friend have to do with the song then? What did I miss? He wrote an article that gotcha. had the lyrics of the song and then said, what could this mean moving forward? Gotcha. I'm sorry. I didn't miss that part. I thought you meant he actually wrote the song. Okay. Oh, no. That's um, why I was that, that would be. <laughs> All right. Any other takeaways from uh, season two of Game of Thrones? Here, let's, uh, let's, yeah, who, died, who dies yeah, first? Let's, let's pick one character who we all think will die. Let's make our prediction. All right. Go ahead, I think Sean. I think Bran's dying, and I think <laughs> Jamie's going to see it, and that's going to provide the motivation for Jamie to kill Cersei later. Because he's going to blame Cersei for not care. sending troops north. Why will Jamie care about Bran dying? Brienne. Oh, Brienne. Brienne will die. Jamie, who's fighting on her flank, will see it, and he will blame Cersei for not sending troops north and helping them for Brienne's death. Brienne's death. Yeah, that that's a good one. I like that. Uh, Do we know where? Just for the record, by the way, I stole your crypt theory for my uh, text thread with my friends. I'm like, hey, you know what might happen? These White Walkers might come back. Oh, that's he's he's been doing that for years. Uh, It'll show up on Twitter. They're like, Jesus, I might do that. Princeton genius. I'm going to predict that Bron, not Brandon, Bron is going to show up and kill someone on the north side because of concerns about, you know, the conversation he had with Cersei. I thought we're picking a death. So who's he killing? I know. I've got to figure out who that's going to be, but I think that's that's going to happen next episode. And I'll say, gosh, is Jon Snow going to die? Probably at some point. I don't think this. I have an unfortunate prediction for you, Sean. I think Arya. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, go ahead. I think Arya is going to die in the battle against the White Walkers, but she's going to get turned into a White no, Walker no, who then no. does the faceless man thing to look like she's normal, walks into the crypt, and activates all the dead the dead Starks. And then all you know, of a sudden... You had me find that she was going to die and get turned into a White Walker, and then I think you... I mean, I guess. I just, it seems like a little bit too much. I'm trying you to stole figure, that theory, Sean. It's just a matter of where you stole it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how you're going to get... Like, okay, can the, and I have to go because I have to go pick up my son in a second. I'm going to get yelled at for not being there. But how can you... Can you can the, can, is your son just like waiting on the side of the road right now? No, he's at, he's, at, he's, at, he's at a, a class thing and it's like <laughs> it's about five minutes away. But I'm supposed to be there at three. Can, the, can a White Walker... Can the, can the Night King like remotely activate dead people? Does he... I mean, yeah, with his Roku device. <laughs> uh, all right, Ryan, pick your dead person. Who's going to die? I'll say Arya. Uh, I'll go like not super excited. I'll go. I'll go Gendry. Kill Gendry. All right, that's it for this show. We'll be back uh, next week to recap the next episode of Game of Thrones. But as mentioned, we'll be live all week long: Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Woo boy, nonstop draft talk. Ryan Wilson, I'll see you in Nashville. Sean, talk Give to me you. My shirt. Talk to you soon, buddy.